And as we are almost just coming to an end, I was reflecting on just the key themes that have stood out to me from, from, from this last few months as we go through Philippians. And one of those themes has been Paul's ability to stand firm and press on. Now, there's many themes spread out through the book of Philippians of thankfulness and relationship. But for me, one of the themes that has stood out the most has been stand firm and press on. And that is the title of today's message. Stand firm and press on. Press on despite the hardships that you might be going through in your life. As Paul continued to press on and stand firm despite his hardships, And he had the ability to do so with such joy and thankfulness. Because many times, many of us, we might press on and we might stand firm, but we stand firm and and we press on with such bitterness and discontent in our lives. He had been imprisoned. He had relationships that had their highs and lows where some had even abandoned him, while others like the Philippians church remained close to him. And he had been in financial need and material need as well as he was imprisoned. Yet he stands firm and presses presses on in his faith with joy and thankfulness. Maybe for yourself, you find yourself struggling in being able to stand firm and being able to press on. And to respond to such circumstances with joy and thankfulness despite the hardships around you. What would Paul's response be to you? What would his words of encouragement be to you? It would be this, that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that strengthens you. That's Philippians chapter 4, verse 413. If you memorize that, you've just memorized one of the GI verses, GIC verses. 12 more to go. Unless they ask for a different version, then you've got to memorize it again. <laughs> But that would be Paul's encouragement to you, that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, John talked about, about, about part of our training, uh, about learning about our identity in, in Christ, about that when we walk into a room, we carry Christ's presence with us. And I remember after, after uh, that, that teaching, John was just like, oh, I didn't know that. That's so amazing. And he carried that with him throughout the whole trip. He was aware that Christ lives in him and wherever he goes, he brings God's presence with him. But here's the truth that even before he was aware of that reality, that was already a reality in his life. He was already walking in that but there was a lack of awareness in terms of that. And many times we, have, we don't have that awareness in our lives. And even for myself, it, it was a reminder. Or sometimes we just forget of what our identity in Christ is. And I remember in that training, I was like, that's right. That's true. That whenever we walk into a room, we carry God's presence wherever we go. And because of that, change is possible. And if we... And if, we can't even speak the language and all we can do is pray and pray for the one that is able to share. Change can be happening as well. And I know for John, he did such an incredible job because he would, he, I like how he would always just ask the right questions that would just further things a bit forward. 
And he, would, he was always just joyful and just wanting to learn and to grow more. And I, and I could see that when, when he would ask those questions, people would just be happy to just be like, oh, you want to know more about me? And then people would just open up their hearts in that way. And so I ask you this morning is, are you aware of all that is available in your identity in Christ? I want to read from Philippians chapter 4, as it has been our, our reading for, the, for the, the last few months. And I'm going to read the, the, the full chapter. It says, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Eudidia and I entreat Syntech to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is any worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied having received from Ephroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for, for John's sharing and his testimony of what you are doing in India. And we thank you for your word this morning. I pray that, that it will be an encouragement and a challenge for our lives that we would find true contentment in you 
but be in holy discontent for those that are lost and unreached still. And so, Father, I pray that you do what only you can do. And I pray that you will strengthen us. So, Father, we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so we've been going through the, these verses. And, and last week, uh, uh, P. Kenny shared. And, and I think I, re- I hadn't re- really looked at the verses much. And, and so I realized, oh, I think me and Ken- P. Kenny's verses could have just been done in one sermon. Uh, in one, uh, yeah, in one sermon versus being uh, separated. But I think it, it, it worked out in that way. So some of the things that I, that I will say with you this Sunday morning will be some... Uh, similar to what P. Kenny shared last week. And so hopefully it will be a, a, a remembrance, uh, an encouragement to you. As I kind of just finish off from, from P. Kenny's last point of just being content in Christ Jesus. But for, maybe you're joining us um, and you haven't been here for a while. So I just wanted to just give you a quick review of where we are in our verses here. That up to this point... Paul has expressed his thankfulness and his gratitude to the Philippians for their financial concern. That they hadn't had opportunity to share the concern, but when the opportunity came, they revived the concern for him. However, despite Paul's need, he let them know that he wasn't really needy, per se. And that in the process of all of that, he had learned to be content in whatever situation And so from his contentment flowed his thankfulness, his gratitude. And so when we get to verses 12 and 13, which will be the focus verses for today, it then leads us to the source of Paul's contentment. And so verse 12, it says, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And so from the previous verses, Paul continues to describe what his situation and what his circumstances have been, the hardships that he has gone through in his life and what he knows through what he has learned in the process. He says, I know how to be brought low, but I also know how to abound. I know I have faced hunger, but I have faced plenty as well. I have faced need, but I have faced having abundance. Two things at the opposite side of spectrum of abundance and need. Of being brought low, but also being brought up and abounding. Paul knew and had learned how to be content in the low points of his life. When everything is just low, when he he has nothing, where there is no provision in his life, he had learned how to be content and how to overcome. But also in the midst of those seasons in his life when he has had the most, when he has abounded, where he has had plenty, he has learned to be content and to overcome. And so the, the experience that Paul had gone through had, be, had become his opportunity to learn and to know how to be content. And those two things I want to point out are different. The knowing how and the learning. One is the lesson. The other is a skill set. Okay? I could go on YouTube 
and I could watch a 15-minute video on, on how, to, how to fix a car, okay? I've just gained the, the knowledge. I've just learned for 15 minutes the knowledge of being able to know how to fix a car. Now, if you then put me in front of a car and then fix it, I'd be like, I'm sorry, I just don't have the skill. I don't have the know-how. And that's the difference that Paul hadn't just learned, but he had learned the skill to navigate both areas, both seasons of his life, the, high, the low moments and the high moments. He had learned and he had possessed the skill to navigate those things in his life. And he had learned and he had learned how to be content in any and every circumstance. But in order for that to happen, he had to go through those things in his life. And I think there is really no, no perfect position for anyone to really be writing this letter than really from a low p- position. Because if someone is from a high position writing this letter, I think we would just simply write them off. If Paul, because Paul is rising, writing this from the lowest point in his life and he's saying, I have found content in all of these moments, in every circumstance, I feel we're, we're a bit more understanding. But if he would have been at the highest moment, he's sitting back, he's at, he's at the four seasons, and he's like, I have learned the joy of being content in every circumstance. I think most of us would just be like, yes, and that's because you're at the highest moment in your life. And I think sometimes when people give us advice, they're, they're giving us advice from here. But he's giving it from here. So really, there's really no, no argument that you could be made. Well, yeah, it's easy for you to say that, Paul. You're at the Four Seasons with full room service and everyone is serving you. Of course, you're going to be content in, ev- in any and every circumstances versus me. I'm here at my lowest point. And so it really only makes sense that Paul, from the, his lowest point, writes this letter from a prison, having been in hunger, having been in need. And he doesn't waste the opportunity of the low moments in his life to be able to learn and to grow. And I think many times when we go through low moments in our lives, I think most of us rather just like, I'm just trying to make it through. I'm just trying to, and, and, and I don't care what my attitude is through the process of, of it all. I don't care what I need to learn or what God is trying to do with me. I'm just trying to make it through. But for Paul, he's like, this moment here, the lowest moments of being in facing plenty and in being in need, there is something here that God is working in me. And he shows us what it has been that in the midst of any and every circumstance, I can be content. And one of the common phrases that shows up is the phrase, I have learned. It wasn't natural. Being, learning, To be content is not natural for us. And I would say even more so with our with the our context of being here in Hong Kong, that content is really almost goes against what 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 culturally we're we're striving for in our lives here. Because we're we live in a culture where continue it tells us that you don't have enough. 
that you continually need more and more in your life. So, it, so you can imagine then in our circumstances that everything that is working against us, that tells us you don't have enough. You have to strive for more and more and more. Then for us, you have to learn and to have the skill to be, the, to be content in our lives. And so learning and having that skill is not always easy, but it is a process that by, by which we go through and which we grow in our lives in any and every circumstance. If you are able to, to use the experiences that happen in your life, you will, be, you will be able to see what God is working in your life to then work through your life as well. There are always learning lessons along the way that are either making us, what is it? Knowing Him or becoming like Him or making Him known. And you could do that in any and every circumstance in your life. If you are able to be still and if you are able to be content in Christ Jesus to see what he is doing in your life. And so how can, how can Paul be content and overflow with thankfulness in, ev- in any and every circumstance? That's Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ, through him who strengthens me. The source of content is Jesus Christ. Not as an idea, but as a relational reality. That Paul has a, rel- a, a relationship with, with Jesus Christ, not as an idea of, or, or a philosophy or a way of life, that's what the world offers. It mostly offers just ways of, ways of hey, here's, a, here's an idea. Here's a philosophy of, of a way of life for you to find contentment. And Paul says, I'm not offering you that. What he is offering is a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not a philosophy. It's a person. I've been reading this book on parenting, and there's this quote by Paul David Tripp that I think speaks perfectly well. And it says, God never calls you to a task without giving you what you need to do it. He never sends you without going with you. He gives you what you need by giving himself. He gives you what you need by giving himself. I'm not trying to give you a philosophy on being content I'm trying to give you the source of contentment, which is Jesus Christ. And that is the greatest gift that we have in our lives, is in a person. And when we break down this verse of, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. What Paul is saying, those words, when you translate those words, I can do, it has the meaning of power. He's not trying to convince himself, okay? He's not, tr- he's, not, he's not building himself up. He's not, looking, he's not looking at himself in the mirrors like, all right, Paul, you can do it. You can do it. You can do all things through Christ. No, that word has to do with a place of power. That Paul knows his reality. He's aware of his reality, of his identity in Christ. That I have the power. The power is within me. I am able to do all things. I can do all things, the highs and the lows of life. I can do all those things. I have the power to do all those things because of Christ. 
because my trust is in him, because I have him by my side, because he walks with me wherever I go, wherever I step into a room, he is with me by my side. When I go to work, he is with me by my side. When I go to the market, he is there with me by my side. When I go to sleep, he is there by my side. And then the last thing he says, who strengthens me. And that simply, I think, is just knowing, receiving, being strong, being empowered, being enabled. And so Paul says, I have the power, the ability to go through all things, highs and lows, whatever life goes at me because of Christ. And Christ, whenever I go through all these things, is the one who strengthens me and lifts me up and gives me power to go through all these things. And so that is Paul's source of contentment. That is Paul's source of really just anything that he is going through in his life that it I'm not placing it on my circumstances. I'm not placing it on my highs or my lows or philosophy of a way of life. Because the problem with philosophy is that it doesn't always work in any and every circumstance. You need a different philosophy for any and every circumstance. But one thing that is consistent and remains in our lives consistently and walks with us is Jesus Christ walking by our side and walking with us. That his word says he will never leave you nor forsake you. That is consistent. That never changes in any or every circumstance in your life. And so what Paul is saying, Christ is my contentment. He strengthens me with the power to do what I cannot do on my own strength. This is where Paul finds the strength to be able to do that. And I think he doesn't, there's a vic, Paul, Paul, I think sometimes we, we, we turn ourselves into victims and we say, oh, I, I wouldn't be able to do what, what that person does or this person does. But I think we realize that it's not, a, that's, if you think that, or you th- it's because most likely you're looking at yourself for the source of strength in your life rather than looking at Christ who is your source of strength, who empowers you to do all things through him. And I want to share a few stories from our trip in India that I hope will challenge you and encourage, and encourage you. You know, one of the things we talked about was, was uh, the traveling. And I'll be a, a mixture of stories with different points. Um, one of the things that, that we did a lot was we were on the car. We were in the car a lot. Um, when we arrived, we were in the car for five hours. Um, and then a few days later, we were in the car again for, for six hours on bumpy, windy, windy roads, people throwing up on the side of the road and, and so forth just to get to our place of, of destination. And then for, for the next, and I think, I think maybe, I don't know, I think most of us were like, all right. If that's just to get to the destination, but that was just re- basically the, the rest of our trip is just on, being on a bumpy road for two, three, four hours, and we get to a place, we get to a home that we visit. And, and I remember um, we, we would make stops along the way, and, and we would look at villages that are just completely high in the mountain. 
And they would, and, and we would get off and we would just look at them and the view is just, it, it is gorgeous. It is just amazing. But I think we're just, we're just thinking and we're praying and we're, and we're, we're just reflecting. It's like, we just asked our, our tour guide who's a believer. I was like, oh, how do people get up there? I was like, we don't see any roads. He's like, you see the trail? You see that? That's how they get up. They hike home. And we just started thinking, it's like, oh man, I wonder if the gospel's ever been there. Has, has anyone ever gone there to share who Jesus is? And at the end of the trip, Kelly, Kelly was asking us, oh, how, how is the trip? How do you feel? We're just debriefing. Was it, was it too much traveling? Because, <laughs> you know, she was worried that we were in the car so much. And we're like, yeah, there is a lot of traveling of being in the car. But I think that proved the point that how far people are, how far and how hard they are to reach that who is going to be the one that is actually going to go up and trek where there is no place to drive and share the gospel with them. And I think that, that kind of opened up our hearts of just then our reality, reality here in Hong Kong of just how easy we have it to share the gospel with people. That how easy our, our, our transportation of the MTR just makes it easy to just travel to some place and just to simply get on the MTR and travel to Shanti and share the gospel. And it proved the point of just how difficult it is and how much work there is still is for the unreached people around the world. And so... We get back home and Kelly and we have a debrief and, and, and Kelly with her team start sharing some of the stories of what they went through and some of the things that, that, that had, had spoken to them. And there was, two, there was two things. One of them, on the day that we had to make the trek, uh, three of the people uh, decided, uh, they, they're like, this isn't for me. I'm good. I'm done. We'll wait. <laughs> we'll wait here. And so they, they decided to stay, and they're like, they're like, okay, we're just going to stay. We're going to pray for you guys. you guys. You guys go. And so they decided to stay, and they just uh, were praying. Um, and so they, they stayed in the village, and they were praying. <laughs> so they happened to run into this uncle that kind of was just is a bit, uh, apparently a bit eccentric. But um, one of the things I love about, about India and just different places and when you go to villages is just how open and hospitable people are just to invite you. And so the guy, so the guy's like, hey, you guys should come to my house uh, tomorrow. And so he draws him a map and it's really just like a map that is just, here's like, it literally is a house. He draws lines and then, and so forth. It's just, it's just crazy. And so the next day, the team then goes to visit the guy. And, and they're there, they're able to share the, their, their, I think one thing, maybe some context is because there is an anti-conversion law, you, you, there has to be a, 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 you have to be wise, yet bold and courageous and be led by the spirit to be able to share the gospel because it could be costly for you. But this is the way they live their lives. They pray for encounters with people and they encounter this guy and they're like, all right, God, if you put this person before us, 
And there's for a reason. And so they, they were able to share the gospel with him. They were able to share God's story of creation and so forth. And, and the guy, obviously, he can't read anymore. And so they're able to give him an audio Bible where he's just able to listen to it. And they're able to, to, to pray with him and so forth. And then they continue on their, on, their, on their trip. And then they encounter another guy. One of the guys, he sees, he's, he sees an a old man. He's 80 years old. They see him. I think he's just working. And, they, and one of the guys just feels like, let's go talk to him. Let's just go strike a conversation with him and let's see what happens. And so they start talking to him and they find out that this man had lost, at 80 years old, he had lost all of his kids. That all of his kids had died. He had had eight kids and all of them had died before, before him. And so they could sense that sadness and so forth. And so they're like, they start sharing to him about, about Jesus. And the guy's like, who is Jesus? <laughs> I think we would be shocked. I think we, if we asked anyone here, we'd be. But here is someone in the middle of nowhere, and he's asking the question, who is Jesus? He's 80, and this is a story that I think, if you want to know who Kelly is, this is who Kelly is. As she's sharing that story, she just begins to cry, because in her heart, she can't imagine how someone... 80 years of life has still not heard who Jesus is and the gospel. And those roads, those hard to reach places suddenly make sense of why, we're able, of why we're able and why we're wanting to do the hard work of going to those places. It's because there are still people that are yet to hear who Jesus is. And Kelly just sharing her heart of just this is why. If you want to know who she is, that is who she is. That is who her heart is for and there's so many, I could tell you so many other stories of just random encounters of they pull up for, for chai on the way over and they, and they encounter this lady that becomes fascinated with Kelly's hair and so on. on the, and so they say bye to her and so forth. And, and on the way back, they stop at her, at, at her place and they share the gospel with, with her, with a bunch of kids and a bunch of other people there as well. And that was the same lady that, that they had stopped. And I believe they stayed at her house, right? Yeah, they just stayed at her house. Honestly, the way we were living that day was, was where will we stay? We don't know where we will stay. Whoever opens up their homes to us and if there's an opportunity to share, that is where we will stay. We did have one stay where we stayed at a hotel and then other stays we stayed at people's homes. And then the last story, or two more stories that I just want to share quickly. I'll just share one. I'll, uh, I'll share one. Um, and, and I'll invite the worship team to, to come up at this time as well. And so we, we happened to meet one of our, our tour guides for, for, for the team. And, and we were on a five-hour five hour drive, and... I just, one of my favorite questions to ask people is just, hey, what's your story? You know, I don't like to talk a lot. So that normally if you ask people what's your story, people would just be like, oh, they'll talk for the next 30, 40 minutes. So it's like, all right, there goes the next five hours. Um, but, but, and I honestly care about knowing people's stories as, as well. Um, and so I asked them, oh, what, your, what his story was. And he then started to share of his journey of, of how he, 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 he became a believer um, and so forth. 
and how it was just this journey uh, of meeting a girl who is Christian and then, and then, and then coming from a, from a Hindu, Hindu background, Hindu village, no, Christ, uh, no Christians and so forth. And so how he had kind of just, he wanted to do, go to uh, YWAM and to kind of do these, these, these DTS things. But his, from his family background, he obviously is, would not be allowed to do it. So he lied to his parents. He's like, so he just disappeared and went off to, to do his, his, his DTS with YWAM. Um, but his, his leaders there were, um, told him, he's like, <laughs> that's not the way we follow Jesus. <laughs> he's like, you need a, to, to talk to your parents and let them know. And so he, it's, you have to realize how hard it is for someone to be able to do that in their context and their culture. And so he, he lets his parents know. And from that day forward, his family and his village disown him completely. He had five siblings. And on that day, his dad goes, I no longer have five sons. I have four. Can't talk to his father anymore. Can't talk to his mother anymore. Can't really talk to his siblings, except maybe one that kind of is okay keeping connection. And the rest of the village is just completely just ignoring him, which for them in their culture means that he's brought so much shame upon their family. And that's how he begins his journey of following Jesus. It's hard. can't imagine my mom or my dad disowning me, my own people. There, there has to be something about this Jesus, that he's not a philosophy or an idea. And this guy, he continues to follow Jesus in the midst of everything. He's lost so much. It's harder for him to... He has, he has the ability for, to own property, but he knows that if I ask for it, it will just cause discourse between my family. And that doesn't matter because Jesus matters more and them knowing Jesus matters more to me. I think it was an awakening going to India and realizing how costly it is and how easy we have it here in Hong Kong to share the gospel and how much of an awakening and revival we need in our hearts and an urgency to share the gospel to those around us. I think there's a danger when it comes to contentment that is not rooted in Christ. But when our contentment is rooted in our circumstance and in our finances and in our material possessions, then our struggle is being content in what we have and what we don't have 
concerning our material and our possessions. And what becomes suddenly our contentment then becomes our comfort and our luxury in our life. That says, I want to, we describe it as a contentment, but it's really more of an idol of comfort and luxury in our lives that we idolize and we protect And I think here more so in Hong Kong is that we have one of our struggles. You know, Paul talks about, I have learned how to be content in the low. I think most of us, we may go through low circumstances, but most of us are here. Most of us have plenty at our table when we go home and eat. Most of us may have plenty in our banking. Many of us have, may have plenty where we live and where we stay. And for us, is how do we learn to live in contentment here in such a way that it honors and glorifies God that then doesn't leave me in a place where I now enter this place of, of comfort and luxury that, that I could travel 20 million different places Versus going to go where there are still people that don't know the gospel. What we need is a holy discontentment in our lives. That we're so satisfied and content in Christ Jesus, whether we have some or we don't, but we're so, we have a holy discontentment because people still don't know Jesus. And, the, and if you learn the skill and you learn what it means to be here, of why God has placed you here and the reason and the purpose, then you will fight against the comfort and the luxury that we have so available to us in our lives. You know, oftentimes in our mission council, you know, one of the things sometimes people ask us is they'll be like, hey, we need, we need, we need so much money for so-and-so. And sometimes, sometimes it's not that much. For them, it's a lot. But we look at us like, really? That's, that's all you need for a car where, where you're at? You know, I remember when Kelly asked us for, the, for that car. Now I know why she asked us for, for that car. And that car took a beating when we were there. And it's like, now it needs to be serviced and so forth. You know, I think most of us, we do go through low circumstances in our lives. But I think for us, the challenge is how do we deal in facing plenty and abundance in our lives? And how do we wrestle with it not becoming an idol in our lives where we just enter into complete comfort and luxury? And so I want to invite you to stand up this morning as we go into a time of worship. And I want to finish with just that verse, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I think, I'll say this. I think God in this church is placing things in people's hearts. And they're wondering, I don't think I can do that. I don't think that can be me. And this is his word for you. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Stop looking at yourself for your source of strength. Stop looking at your circumstances of what you have or don't have as your source of strength. And start looking towards Jesus as your source of strength. And so, Father, this morning, if we've forgotten that our contentment comes from you, I pray that there would be a holy discontent in our lives. 
for those that are unreached and that for those that are like Paul just waiting for for others to just have the opportunity to care and so father we thank you for your goodness in our lives that only by the gentleness of your spirit you challenge us that we may boldly walk in our identity in you that we can do all things through christ who strengthen us in jesus name let's worship There is love that came for us, humble to a sinner's cross. You broke my shame and sinfulness. You rose again, Faithfulness none can deny Through the storm and through the fire There is truth that sets me free Jesus Christ who lives in me Let's declare this, you are stronger You are stronger You are stronger, sin is broken, you have saved me, it is written, Christ is risen, Jesus, you are Lord of all. No Save the lost, you paid it all upon the cross. You are stronger, you are stronger, sin is broken, you have saved me. It is written, Christ is risen, Jesus, you So let your name be lifted higher, be lifted higher, be lifted higher. So let your name be lifted higher, be lifted higher, be lifted higher. So let your name
For that believer that that was disowned, you know, good news is they've been slowly welcoming him back. We actually managed to stay in his village with some with one of the families there. They opened up their homes and we stayed with them. And praying for the impossible. You know, we want to focus in praying for, for people there as God stirs our heart. But more than anything is this, I don't want us to feel guilty where we are. Is this a matter of whatever circumstance? Learn to live in such a way that you're glorifying God, whether it's in plenty or in need. And so, Father, we thank you for your goodness in our lives. <laughs> we thank you for those seasons of plenty in our lives that you provide. And we thank you for those seasons where Maybe it's a bit harder, but through you, we can do all things. And so, Father, be lifted up in our lives in whatever circumstance we go through. In Jesus' name, amen. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Shalom from this day forward. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless and have a great Sunday.